Things that you shouldn't say. We're talking about putting God first, um, but we're in sort of a little mini-series in Deuteronomy 7, 8, and 9, where there are three things that God says, I don't want you to say this to me. Uh, One of the things that is just a a thing I don't like is cheesy Christian statements. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's a God thing. Anytime somebody says that, like, I get it, and I understand that it was, like, something good really happens to you, but people say, like, it's a God. Something's just really cheesy about that to me. Or, I'm so blessed. If I see hashtag blessed one more time on, like, a baseball cap or something, I'm going to burn it. I can't. It's just, it, it's, I mean, I, it, it's true. It's not that it's not true. I get that it's true. But it's just it's something about it. Um, so I want to do something that's cheesy. And you can, you know, throw a hymnal or something. That's why we keep them around, you know, so you can throw a hymnal. All right. Oh, we're, there we are. Right, you already know. I don't have to say anything. You already know what this is. You, you all did this. You all did this in, like, LM, you know, like your uh, freshman psychology class. Is the glass half empty or half full? Give me my, my positive half full people. Half full people, positive, half full, you're the optimist. That, like, whole back row, that last, I would have thought you guys as the negative Nancys of the group, sitting all the way as far back as you can get. All right, let me see all the, the half-empty crowd. The ne- neg- Randy, got, uh, he couldn't shoot his hand up fast enough. It was like, <laughs> half-empty. So this tells us what? If you're an optimist or a pessimist, if you're a, a positive person, you have a positive outlook on life, or you're a negative Nancy, you have a bad look on life, and, and all of that. Okay, so here's my cheesy, this is awful, um, but here's my, my thing. Immediately when we see this and we, we play this game, we're forced into sort of two categorical decisions. Are you this or are you that? Do you see it this way or do you see it that way? What if as Christians, we sort of just saw this, and, and when somebody showed us this, or we were given this test, we immediately said, it's a gift from God. I, uh, I know, I know it's cheesy, but instead of thinking about how I see the world as good or bad or negative or positive, immediately when I receive or see something like this, I immediately receive all of that as a gift, as a gift from God. And I, I know that's really cheesy, and if you did that in some, if you did that in a psychology class or somebody said that to you, they'd be like, oh, right, gross, gross Christian cheesiness but in some ways that's really true as well right one of the things i think we wrestle with as as christians is to see the world as a gift from god and to receive it as a gift from god and to see all that we receive whether good or bad we sang it this morning blessed be the name of the lord right whether he gives or whether he takes away i'm going to praise him like this is this is this is that thing that christians are supposed to be after and about and that is the hardest thing to do isn't it we have a good easy time with that that's so hard to do this morning i want you to open your bibles to number numbers deuteronomy that's where my bible is open to deuteronomy Go ahead, chapter 8, grab that, and uh, if you're using the Pew Bible like I am, turn to page 152, that's where it is, 152. We'll take a look at these texts here this morning. 
And the first thing I want us to do is we begin to engage in the text of Scripture and thinking about maybe the world as a whole. What we need to do is we need to begin to understand God's love which is communicated in the Bible through repetition. So you have heard over and over again through this series, we're eight chapters in, already you're probably tired out of hearing God say, I need you to obey me. Look at that, verse one, chapter eight, verse one, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply, go into the land, possess it, that the Lord your God swore to give to your fathers. How many times have we heard that? Like every Sunday for the past eight Sundays, we're tired of it. Oh my goodness. And I think this is one of those things that makes... Laura and I uh, got the kids down early last night. And uh, it was before nine, right? Before nine. And it was like... <laughs> like thrills up my spine, chills. It was amazing. The kids are down. And so we're like, let's have some fun. Let's read Deuteronomy 8. And Laura said, get out of my room. Get out of my room. Don't pull your preacher crap in here. No. But we don't do that, do we? We don't do that. We don't pull the Bible out, and this is not the good time. Because, again, this is so repetitive. And you shall remember, so remember today the whole commandment that I've given you. And then in verse 2, he goes on to say, And remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you have hunger, and then he gave you bread. And, and then he goes on and talks about uh, giving them bread and, and making it so their clothing don't wear out and their feet don't swell <laughs> as they wander for 40 years because my feet are still swollen from the bowling shoes last night, let alone 40 years of wandering, right? And, and God blesses them with all of this stuff. And then in verses 7 and 8, he says, because I'm going to give you the good land, the land flowing with milk and honey and pizza and pomegranates and olive trees. It's practically Narnia up in here. It's amazing. And I'm giving it to you. And we've heard this so many times. We're like, boring. Because, and this is just kind of a, my a cultural observation, we are used to new. Ever watch a TV show and watch how long they keep one camera moving. Like it might be the same person the whole time, but they're going to move camera every 10 to 30 seconds. Give you something new. Back this way, back that way. Because our brains are being programmed because our attention spans, as somebody who speaks in front of people, I know your attention span is already waning. I'm almost out of time to catch you with something else. Because you're like, give me something new. But there's nothing new here, right? Blessings. If you hear me and obey me and keep my law of curses, if you disobey me, then I'll, I'll let you go. I won't, I won't protect you and bad things will happen because I'm giving you the good way. So blessings, obey me and hear my word. And you're like, oh my goodness. So I want to make this meaningful to you if I can. If that's something that you're wrestling with as you read these texts. I want to do it by sharing a ritual that our family, our family uh, goes, goes through. So... Because of, especially because of Ezri, uh, the, the little, little monster, um, I put the big monster to bed at night. And uh, we turn off the light and we turn on our stories and I, I kind of snuggle in and give her a hug and, and hold her for a minute. And every night, nearly every night, I will say, hey, did I tell you today that I love you? And she is working on her best 14-year-old impression. We're beginning young. And she's like, ah. 
we have any 14-year-olds in the room who can do that better than me? I don't see Oh, no? Okay, that's all right. Your mom shamed you. That's good enough for me. I, wouldn't, I don't need to do it. Uh, Dad, you tell me. Well, Daddy, that's insisted. Daddy, you tell me every day. I'm like, and then I pretend like I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, good. Okay. Well, do you know who loves you the most? And she says, uh, she does it again. God. Cause it's cheesy. I, like, I'm not. Hashtag so blessed, right? You know? And, uh, and, and then I say, well, who loves you the second most? And she goes, you and mommy. And I say, okay, good, good. I, you know, I just, I just didn't want you to forget. And she gives me the, how could I forget? You tell me all the time. Your parents know that she's going to forget. Now, she's not going to forget, but she's going to forget. Are you with me? It isn't that God is thinking, hey, the problem is y'all are going to forget that I gave you laws. And y'all are going to forget that there's a, a real God. And so, you know, Jethro is going to turn to Cletus. I don't know why we do Jethro and Cletus. Is that from a show or something? Back in the, I don't know. Anyway, Jethro is going to turn to Cletus and say, hey, you know, do we have a God in Israel? And Cletus is going to be like, oh, man, I don't really know. I forgot. Right? That's not the problem. It's not that they're going to forget, but they're going to forget. You know? In practice, th- there's going to come a day where where they're going to have to make a decision, a big decision. Am I going to go and follow God's will, or am I going to do what I want to do? And there's going to be that big, that big conflict that's going to hit them. What, what do I do in that moment? And in that moment, they're going to forget. They're going to forget. And that's the moment that God wants them to remember, which is why the repetition matters. Because if, if God lays the groundwork, the blessing don't, don't go the wrong way because it's a curse to go the wrong way. The blessings. And he lays that ground over and over and over again. Because Emery will one day be 14. And I will say, you cannot go there. You cannot wear, I don't know, whatever else you tell a 14-year-old. I'm not there yet. I'm just, I'm prepping. I'm prepping. <laughs> you can't do this. And, and she's going to have an emotional reaction that will be as akin to hate and rage as she has ever felt. And she's going to forget. She's not going to forget, but she's going to forget. You know what I mean? And it's in that moment where I am going to, going to say to her, I say, listen, I know what you want to do. And I understand that right now you hate my guts. But have I told you today that I love you? And my hope and prayer is that the grounding that I have laid all that time will take hold. And even though she's upset that I have said no, she will hear my voice. And she will say, "Ah, you tell me all the time. And stomp off and go to her room and slam it. And God is hoping that his people will hear his voice. Because our culture, even and especially our Christian culture, is forgetting that God also says no. And we want God to say yes because we want what we want. But God is a good God who knows better than we know because 14 year olds, plug your ears, I'm sorry, are stupid. <laughs> I, I don't have any opinions about 13 year olds because uh, I love you too. <laughs> But there comes, I mean, right? 
we make mistakes, and then we learn from those mistakes, and looking back at my mistake, I'm going to say, don't go anywhere with that boy, because I was that boy. He's no good. (laughs) She doesn't know that. She only knows what she wants. The same thing is true of us. We only know what we want. We feel it. We desire it. We want it. And God says, no. Remember my faithfulness to you. Remember my blessings. Remember my statutes. Remember my laws. Remember my rules. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But remember. Remember because I love you. And I hope that as you read these texts and you ever, if ever you're reading the scripture and you're like, man, I just read that. Remember why it's there. Because it's in those moments when we are reading scripture and things aren't chaotic and we aren't feeling the deep desire to chase after something. It's in those moments that we begin to lay the groundwork, the foundation that will allow us to make the decisions in the moments of crisis. Because in the moment of crisis, what's going to come out is what you've been preparing for. And if you haven't been preparing yourself, your mind, your heart to be directed to God when the moment of crisis happens, you're going to go with your gut reaction, and your gut reaction will be wrong. But if you've laid the groundwork, and you've read the commandments, and over and over again you've rehearsed the story of God's faithfulness, then maybe, maybe in the moment we won't forget. Maybe in the moment we'll be faithful. Because God, you have to understand, isn't just a loving God. God isn't just a faithful God. God is a God who is trying to build and to develop a people who will be as faithful to him as he is to us. And y'all are that people. Just like the people of Israel here in our text, thousands of years ago, were that people. So today, we are that people where God still wants a people who are faithful to him no matter what comes. But the only way we'll be faithful to him is if we lay the groundwork of faithfulness in those moments where it is slow. So understanding God's love is important. But the best way we can begin to understand God's love is to have that repeated over and over and over again. And that's, that's what we need to build in our kids' lives. That's what we need to build in one another's lives. That's what we need to build in one another in church. So that as you guys are seeing one another and loving on one another and hugging one another, in that moment, that will come because somebody in this church will offend you. Can I get a witness? Somebody in this church will offend you. If not me, then someone else. Somebody will offend you, and you'll say, well, forget that place. Forget those people. No, because we lay the groundwork of remembering, no, I remember all of the good stuff that we were a part of. I remember how good, the, you know, I know that they love me. I, I know that misspoke, or there's cranky, or they're hangry, or whatever it is that led to that conflict. We lay groundwork that proves the faithfulness later on. So we learn to understand God's love. We learn to understand one another's love. We learn to understand love through repetition because repetition remembers rightly. Repetition remembers rightly. Repetition allows us to have that that memory in our minds so that we can be faithful in those times of trial, trouble, and crisis. And the trial, the trouble, and the crisis is on the horizon, even in this text Let's keep on reading there. Verse 11. Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. Take care lest you forget. Now again, right, he's not worried that they're going to forget, but they're going to forget, you know? You with me? Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I commanded you today. Seems like I heard that somewhere, like, what, 11 verses ago? (laughs) 
Lest when you have eaten and are full, glass half full, and have built good houses and live in them, and, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied and you have everything that's good, let's jump down to verse 17. Beware, beware lest you say in your heart. So here it is, that, that do not say to God this. My power and might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. See, that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. What I've noticed about people is that when things are going bad, we blame God. And when things are going well, we blame ourselves. <laughs> Which is really convenient, <laughs> isn't it? Now, I, I, I find that people, especially Christian people, if you're not a Christian here today, that, that's great. We're so glad that you're here. And so this is maybe directed more at Christian people. But what I've noticed from Christian people is that we do this in practice, not in not in. Not verbatim. Like, no one pats themselves on the back and I did it all, I'm so awesome. But we do this in practice. So what I see is this. A time of crisis happens. You, maybe somebody dies. Maybe you lose a job. Maybe things are really tough. Maybe the family's chaotic. Maybe, whatever the thing is, it's, it's bad. And you go to church. And you seek God. And you pray. And you get involved. And you start tithing. And you start doing the things that you know you ought to do. And then, at, you know... There, there's this moment, there's this, there's this grieving process. Even if your life still continues to be chaotic, you can't grieve your whole life. You can't, you know, eventually, you're going to kind of level out and things are going to be okay. So, so we, we, we exit this grieving process and maybe things begin to get better. Uh, you get a new job, things stabilize, the family kind of goes to an, back to its equilibrium, things are okay. And I begin to see people drop off the map. Putting in a little less time, tithing less, you know, not, not participating, whatever it is. You just sort of drop off the map. Now, what do we do in that moment? What we're saying in this moment is, I needed God in this time of crisis, but now that things are going well, I don't need God anymore, which tells us what? We did it. We're okay. We're fine. And God is warning the Israelites. He's saying to them, listen, I'm sending you into this land. And so the, one of the problems that we have is with this word wealth. You see it there in your text. Um, the word wealth there, is referring directly um, to them receiving the land. They're going to enter into this land. They're going to enter in this promised land. Things are going to be fine. They're going to have everything that they, that they need to survive. Things are going to be good. And there's going to come a point where they're sitting down at the dinner table, and they're not going to forget God, but they're going to forget God. You with me? God begins to take a second. He's not first anymore. He's second. And then third and then fourth and then yeah you let one thing slip and another thing slip and another i'm speaking to some of you today and another thing slip until you can't even tell that you're a christian you can't even tell that god is a part of your life it's just slipping away and what we do then in practice is in practice we forget in practice we are not faithful in practice then we say to the world listen it was me because i you know maybe i needed god way back then when things were bad but right now i'm good i've got it i've got it under control and god says beware lest you say in those days no i was i made it happen i i i accomplished it i i did it because if you do that 
the next verses warn, again, that blessing and cursing again and again to remind them in verse 19, and if you forget the Lord your God and you go after other gods and you serve them, if you put something other than God first, what's going to happen? I soundly warn you that you shall perish, which is like, you really took this to the, like the, <laughs> the next level. I'm not playing around. I'm not playing around, God says. So last week, last week we talked about this. We said, don't say to God, this is too big for me. You're facing something tough. You're facing a, a problem. I mean, it's, it's, it's a giant of a problem. Don't say, God, I can't do this. Why? What you should be saying is this. The Lord, my God, is in my midst. A great and awesome God. God is so powerful that he can help you take on any challenge. Whatever it is you're facing. If you're in that glass, half-empty state of life, and you're looking at everything and you're like, man, I can't do this. Don't say, I can't do this. Because God is awesome. Might be cheesy, but it's true. God is awesome. And he is on your side. If you are on his side, and together, you can accomplish. But, this week, don't say, when you find yourself in the, it's full category, it was all me. I did it all. Instead, what we should say is this. It is God who gives me the power to accomplish. Whatever it is. Whatever it is that God helps you accomplish. You see that here in, um, in verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Now, I have to stop there again for a second because some of you just got real excited to get wealth. Right. Okay. Easy money bags McGee, right? This is not a recipe for checks. This is not a recipe for being a millionaire or something like that. I know that there are very, um, very important and uh, wealthy people out there who stand from pulpits and say that, that God wants to give you everything that you want. And that's just a lie. Just a lie. Straight up lie. Um, usually meant to line their pockets. The word here, wealth... Um, which is translated wealth in most, most versions, is a Hebrew word that means uh, power, accomplishment, or wealth. Here within the context, God is speaking directly about what he is going to do for these people, for these Israelites. And what he is going to do for these Israelites is he is going to usher them into a new land, and within that land they will flourish. And because it's a nation, and because this flourishing needs to, need to expand financially as well as spiritually, God is going to bless them financially as well as spiritually to reveal his faithfulness. But one of the things that we see in Jesus, though, is that if you call Jesus your Lord, I mean, Jesus had what? What did Jesus own? I mean, maybe the clothes on his back, but they took that from him too, Right? So, if Jesus is your Lord, then chasing after, well, you, you're, you're, at, you're after the wrong God. Like, that's, that's a God that is not found here um, or anywhere other than in your avarice little heart, right? Your greedy little heart. What God is saying here specifically is, you are going to chase after my will. And I'm going to give you the ability and the power to accomplish my will. What I want done, you will be able to do because of me. God, I believe this. God wants to do something with your life. 
He wants to do something with every single life here. All of you are to be shining like stars, the Bible says, out in a world that is full of seedy, dark, evil, all of those words apply. It is dark out there, and God wants to make you to shine like a star. And God will accomplish that. Sometimes he accomplishes that in the days of trial, and sometimes he accomplishes that in the day of plenty. But God will accomplish it. And if you are with God and you are on God's side and your desire is to, to shine like a star, if your desire is to, to bear forth the light of God, then God will empower you to do that. So wherever you find yourself, and so this is my point, that wherever we find ourselves, I, I love these two chapters because they illustrate so well this, wherever you find yourself, if you find yourself in a position where things are going just as bad as they can, anybody here? As bad as they can. Don't say, I can't accomplish this, because God can help you to accomplish it. And some of you are, are here today, and you're like, things are pretty good. Anybody, things are pretty good? Okay, a couple, I was hoping for more. Like, there's a lot of crisis in this room. Uh, I, you know, there, there's going to come a time where, where life is, it's okay. Things are going fine. Maybe things are going really well, and you're thrilled. You are going to face the same temptation that they're facing over there in a different way. Your temptation is going to be, I didn't need God. I just made it happen. And you might not forget, but you're going to forget, you know? You're going to forget. And the danger lays in both ends of that spectrum and all the way in between. Because the point of both of these, you'll notice, is this. It is God who can accomplish whatever it is that needs to be accomplished in your life. That God can do it. And if we plug into his power, if we plug into his spirit, if our lives are directed towards his will, then all that needs to be done will be done. And y'all can just relax a little bit. Because I think that's where I, what I take from all of this. So if I take all of this down and I say, well, all right, what can, what should I, where should I come out emotionally on this? Maybe y'all should just take a deep breath. Because it's going to be Okay. If there's, anything, if there's anything that we could take as, as Christians, if we are Christians who are living faithfully, faithfully to God, in whatever situation you find yourself in, you can take a deep breath, exhale, and say, it's going to be okay. There's not a lot of okay out there, but it's going to be okay. Because even death itself ceases to be something that is fearful to people who believe in resurrection. And so the Bible says things like, no weapon formed against you can prosper. That everything that comes against you will fall away. That no matter what temptation, no matter what trial, no matter what struggle, no matter how much plenty, no matter how much you receive, no matter how big that check is, whatever it is that is out there that is facing you or that is coming into your life and tempting you to not put God first, whatever that thing is, it is destined to die and pass away. Whatever you buy will rust. Whatever you invest will get spent. Whoever is bothering you will die. Don't say amen to that, right? That's, but whatever it is that you are facing, it's temporary. But the gospel is, you're not. You are eternal, just like your God. And because you are eternal, just like your God, you can say to the days of trial, I'm not worried about that because my God is 
in my life. And he is great and awesome. And you can say to the times of plenty, the times where things are going really well, wonderful, praise the Lord, because it is by his grace and might that I have been blessed with the fruit of abundance. In good times or bad times, we go on. We have the perseverance of Christ himself as our example. So, to bring this all to a conclusion, if I can send you out with one thing, that would be what I want to send you out with. This week, whatever you are facing, if you are facing the trial, the tribulation, the difficult time, don't say, this is too big for me. Instead, I want you to say, the Lord my God is in my midst. He is great and he is awesome. And if you are facing a time of plenty and abundance, great, praise God. And maybe what you should do is take some of that energy and happiness and financial resources and go see somebody in, this, in here who you saw raise their hand because they're a pessimist and the cup was half empty. Half empty, half full, it's a gift from God. Half empty, half full, it's a gift from God. Let's stand as we praise our amazing God.